0: Amen. You may be seated. I'm back there and I'm worshiping, and um, just kind of caught away in a moment, thinking about that un- that unshakable God and, and a God that in all of His glory in heaven. And, you know, we're down here freaking out, right? Stuff comes up in our life and whatever, and we just like completely freak out and everything. But we've got this unshakable God, and we're kind of down here like, did you see that, right? and everything else, and, and God's just like, yeah, I saw it. I saw it. I got it. No problem. No issues. Relax. Right? And that's tough for us to do, because we feel like it's here, and we got to handle it. But we have a God that's truly unshakable this morning, and so I was back there, and I was just kind of in that moment, my eyes are shut, and I'm kind of swaying with the song and everything, and I'm thinking about this unshakable God and everything else, and I'm thinking, oh, wait, i got to preach. <laughs> So, I was like, I better, uh, I better get ready to go up front. So, um, thankful this morning. We, we, Labor Day weekend appears to have a lot of uh, family reunions and everything else. I kept getting, uh, uh, TJ Medora told us last night that they had a family reunion, and I got texts and, and, and stuff from other people who had family reunions and can't be here this morning. So, I guess Labor Day is kind of the family reunion day. Um, so, um, but we, we are excited. Uh, about what God's doing here. A lot of great stuff from last week's service. Did you enjoy last week? Yeah, a lot of head shaking. Yeah, clap. Um, a lot of good stuff. Uh, a lot of things happened after service uh, that I've shared with some of the leadership and, and different ones that, that came up uh, afterwards and everything else. A lot of people were really touched uh, by the service and, and have, you know, pledged to, to join us or, or to get involved in, in different ways or, or just come seeking um, and that's, that's what it's all about, amen. That's why we do the things that we do and we make the efforts um, that we effort, and that is to touch lives, right, is to make an impact and a, and a positive influence uh, on someone's life and to have uh, a story to tell. A lot of us want to talk about numbers and money and, and how big our buildings are and, and all of this and that and the other, and when God blesses, that's fine, okay, it's fine to say, look what God has done for us, and I have no problem with that. But but if we ever get so caught up in that stuff that we forget to see the impact and the opportunities that we have on people's lives, then we've we've missed what we're here for. We've missed the purpose and we've missed the calling uh, of God's uh, of God on our life and on our church. So we're thankful for that. That um, nothing. Ask my wife. Nothing excites me more. Then when I get a text and someone says, hey, this made an impact on me, or uh, I meet someone who says, man, this really spoke to me, um, and different things like that. And, and so that's, that's always really exciting for me um, to see the fruits of, of everyone's labor here. So we're going to finish up the prayer. Uh, sermon series this morning. I'd hoped to be able to do that the last time, and uh, there's just a whole lot of stuff there, and it was just tough to cram it in to three weeks, so we're going to add it in this morning and, um, and hopefully finish it up uh, one way or the other. So in Matthew chapter, well, let's, let's do this. In, in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus gives us the model prayer. And a lot of people will debate this and theologians say this and theologians say that and, and, and whatnot. But, but I think Jesus was teaching in this moment. You know, I don't think Jesus stopped and bowed his head. I don't think he got down on a knee or whatever. But I think he was teaching his disciples in this moment because he knew of the things that would come. He knew of the things that were going to take place in their lives. And he knew that they needed to have a, a fundamental strength that came from heaven and, and not from self. Right? And his disciples were just kind of living in the moment. You know, here's a mountain full of people, thousands of people, you know, and and we're we're with the cool guy, Jesus, you know, so that kind of makes us cool too. And and you know, so we, we all kind of, you know, they're all kind of focused on on that stuff. And and so Jesus starts his his first real sermon that we see in scripture, the Sermon on the Mount, as it's often referred to, and he begins to teach them foundations and principles for living a Christian life. If you really read those, Chuck Swindoll, several years ago, probably 20 years ago, I heard Chuck Swindoll when I was driving the car all the time. Chuck Swindoll said on his radio program, he said, you want to change your life? He said, you want to bring power and balance to your life? He said, read the Sermon on the Mount three times a day for 30 days. And I promise you, if you do it faithfully, I promise you it will transform your Christian life. And, you know, still fairly early in the ministry and everything at that point, I'm thinking, man, I'll take that challenge. And he was right. It did. I began to think, you know, everything that would come up in my life, all those unshakable moments in my life where I'd be like, holy cow, this is happening, and and everything else. I I would immediately go back to the instructions that Jesus gave in that sermon, and it would guide me, and it would help me, and it would develop me in, in those times and those moments. So it was really transforming for me to do that. So if you've never heard that before, I'll pretend to be Chuck Swindoll and challenge you. Read the Sermon on the Mount three times a day for 30 days, and it will transform your life. It will transform your Christianity. It will cause you to see things the way God sees things. And that's what Jesus was doing here in these early parts of the Gospels is he was beginning to start to mold the thinking and start to mold the mannerisms and start to prepare the foundation by which he lived and by which the disciples would, would soon live as, as they became um, on their journey for God, as they began to work in, in their ministry as, as God prepared that for them. So, so Jesus gives them this prayer, and in, our, in the first series, sermon series, or the first message of the series, we, we kind of walked you into that. He tells us not to judge, and he tells us not to do these things. And, and he kind of talks to us about this manner of, of how we live and how we think and everything else. And, then he, and he realizes that the root of all of this, the strength for us to do these things, comes from prayer. And so he leads us into prayer, and he says, And when you pray, pray like this, in this manner Pray ye. Pray like this. And, and he gives us what we refer to as the Lord's Prayer. And I sometimes think we, we kind of got the naming wrong there because I don't think he was praying. I think he was teaching. I think he was teaching us how to pray and the things that are important in our prayers. Amen? And probably one of the most immature things that we can do when we pray is, is come across in this gimme, 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 gimme type of, of theology. I made a comment in a a message one time. Uh, I made a comment that I can always tell who has a good prayer life and who doesn't have a good prayer life based on how long they pray for the meal. Right? If you're praying, what what are you you supposed to do? You're supposed to ask the blessing, right? You're asking God to bless your meal. You're not praying for everybody sick in 300 miles when you're getting ready to to pray for your food, right? So someone who has a good prayer life is already going to have all that stuff covered. Right? So when it comes time to eat, they're going to pray for God to bless the meal and eat. Right? And, and so I, I, I jokingly made, made, made comment of that during a sermon one time. And um, for years after it, there was this one man in the church. He was an older man in the church. And for years after it and everything else, he, he would walk into the church and everything else. And he's like, I'm, I'm prayed up. So if you need me to pray for the food today, I got it covered. I'm like, okay, okay, and um, so forth. But no, it's, it's serious because sometimes, sometimes we miss the gift of prayer and we miss its power and we miss its importance. And as a church, I, I think it is so vital for us. And it's not by mistake that we had a series on worship and now we have a, a series on prayer because I think if we are really going to evolve into what God wanted, we got to nail both of these. Right? We've got to nail our prayer life. We've got to nail how important we we place on that in our lives and in our church. And then also we have to understand the strength and power that God brings upon us through worship. Okay? It's not a concert, it's not a performance, it's it's none of those things, but it is a time that we allow our hearts to cry out to God to, to come with power and might into our situation into our day, into our struggle, into our, into our issue. And if you, if you worship that unshakable God that she was singing about, if you worship that God, if you claim that, then I promise you He's going to show up. He's going to show up in your life. He's going to show up in your situation. All right, so to the message, Jesus tells them, after this manner pray, and I'm just going to read it, and everything that says, after this manner, therefore, pray ye. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For that is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Is there anywhere in that scripture, anywhere in that teaching that Jesus says to pray for those that upset us, pray for those that make us mad, pray for those who do us wrong. There really isn't. There really isn't. If we look at the model of that prayer, there really isn't. Jesus. Models for us and says, forgive our debts. Modern translations say trespasses, right? Because we're just continually dumbing things down. Okay, well, I I just kind of trespassed and everything else. No, God calls them debts. God calls it debts, right? So forgive our debts. Forgive what we owe. Forgive our blasphemy. Forgive our heresy. Forgive, Father, that my mind is way over here in the flesh. And I am indebted to you because I'm focused on the things of the flesh and the things of the world and who I want to be and what I want and what I'm whining about rather than being focused on your kingdom and focused on your glory and focused in the power that you want to bring into my life. Forgive my debts. Right? Then he says, forgive my debtors. He doesn't say, deal with my debtors. He doesn't say, strike lightning on my debtors. He doesn't say, punish my debtors. He says, forgive, right? And so many times, so many times, we want to come to God. I and mean, we want justice, right? We want justice. We want God to, to just let somebody have it in Jesus' name. Amen. But he teaches us here to forgive our debtors. Forgive them. Let him handle it. I said to someone last night, I was like, you know what? I'm not playing in that circus. Not playing in that circus. God will deal with this and he'll do it righteously. I'm moving on. I got more important things to worry about. I'm moving on. Okay, and, and see, sometimes if we're not careful, we'll get so absorbed in this stuff that we'll totally lose our focus on God and what God wants done in our life, where God's taking us in our life, the things God are do, is doing in our life and the changes that he wants to make in our life. That's why Satan is so strategic in how he tempts us. Right? It's how, why he's so strategic in how he tempts us. It's why he's so... Does, does Jesus or does Satan ever really, ever really combat you when you're on the mountaintop? When, when God is powerful and alive and vigorant in your life, does Satan come walking in and say, I'm going to knock you down? No. Why? Because he knows the power of the mountaintop is authority that he can't, he can't overcome. So when stuff starts happening in your life, when crap starts going on in your life, when pain and misery and stress and all of these things start happening in your life, guess who's going to show up and knock on your door, right? And he's going he's to pour it on. Everything he's got, he's going to bring to you and everything else when you're in that moment that it is so easy for you to get captivated by this rather than on the unshakable God the one who sits on a throne and who is constant and who is not stirred or, or moved by the things of this life. Right? Jesus in, in chapter 4, Jesus in chapter 4 models this part of the prayer for us. Right? Scripture teaches that he was, attempt, he was tempted alike just as we are. Right? He had to face Satan he had to be challenged to do something that wasn't honoring and wasn't glorifying to God. And he had to say no, right? And in chapter 4, we get that. And if we, and if we really look at these scriptures, we see the model prayer formed from this moment of scripture, right? Here's what it says. It says, then Jesus was led up of the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Let me tell you what, if you're going to pray... If you're going to pray and if you're going to approach the throne of God, do it in your spirit, don't do it in your flesh, right? Jesus modeling for us, Jesus modeling for us still how we pray, Jesus modeling for us how we live and how we interact with God, right? We have got to find our spiritual self. We do that with prayer and we do that with worship and we do that with scripture. Yes, the scripture part of this group of series will come and then and when he had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights he was afterward hungered and when the tempter came to him he said if thou be the son of god command these stones be made bread but he answered and said it is written man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of god Right? What did, what did we share with you last week when we talk about, when we talk about the, um, the bread? Amen. That Jesus pray, prayed for. Give us, Lord, our daily bread. Amen. We prayed that, that he wasn't necessarily talking about something to eat, although God can certainly do that, and we should thank God for his blessings to us and everything else. But he was ultimately praying of the things that come out of heaven. Amen. Everything that led up to this, his being led away of the spirit, his fasting for 40 days, all of it was about his communion with God, his fellowship with God. Amen. Which is what communion means. Fellowship. Okay, another message, but we'll, we'll just throw that out to you. Communing with God, bringing yourself into the presence of God so that God can speak to you, God can lead you, God can teach you, God can evolve you into an individual that he can empower and use in life. That's where we are in this moment. Jesus says, I, I have bread Ye know not of. Amen? We shared that with you in last week's message. Here we see where Jesus brings proof to point and says to Satan, It is written that man shall not live by bread alone. Now talking about actually something we put on our mouth and eat. But by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Jesus modeling for us and showing us that we can truly pray, Give us this Lord our daily bread. Amen. And our our sustenance be focused on his godship, his his holiness, his wonder and his power and not the things of earth that we sometimes go to God begging for. Right. I want this. I want this. I want this. All right. Now, don't, don't misunderstand me. I'm not negating anything John preached last week right? Because John, John, that was a powerful message by John. I believe, I believe everything that he was, he was giving to us in that, amen, that sometimes we create mountains and we need to push those mountains out of way by our faith and by our power and by our belief, amen? But I'm talking about a prayer today that is going to influence your spirituality, a prayer that is going to transcend you from, from fleshliness to godliness, Amen? That's what Jesus is laying down here on the Sermon on the Mount. And this is what we need to pick up, is this reality. And, and Jesus lived it. Then the devil taketh him up into a holy city, and setteth him on a, on a pinnacle of the temple, and saith to him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down. For it is written, He shall give his angel charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear, up, bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against the stone. Jesus said unto him, it is written again, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. What did we say in the very beginning of this sermon series? Where's God? Where is he? Right now, where's God? He's on the throne. Yeah, I got some people in the back on this, you know, kind of looking at me like, I'm not sure where you're going with this, Jay, but I'm kind of going to do this, right? Yes, he's on his throne. He's on his throne. And we need to leave him there. So many times we try to pull him off the throne and and bring him to our level. And we can't do that. We need to leave him on the throne. And that's what Jesus does in this instance. Amen? He's tempted alike as we are, but he sees a high and holy God that he's modeling his life after. And that he's pursuing and that he wants to be. You see, our problem sometimes in Christianity is we see things, even in the faith, we see things that we want and want to be. And so we try to attain them in the flesh. It's not how it works, right? Because if we obtain something that appears spiritual through fleshly means, is it really spiritual? No, no, it's fleshly. It's fleshly, amen? It's shifting sand. You built that house, you built whatever that was, on something that's not a firm foundation, amen? So if we pursue it, if we pursue it in the spirit, if we pursue it in the things of God and allow God to move and allow God to bless and allow God to bring these things to be, then it will be a solid foundation and won't crumble, won't fall when the rains rains come. So why we have to find God in the spirit and, and not in the flesh, amen? So it is written that we should not tempt God. We should not even even pretend that God is on our level. And and we should approach him as wise. And then it says again, the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain, and showeth him all of the kingdom of the world and all of the glory of them, and saith unto him, All these things I will give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. I always find that I always find that funny. Every time I read that, it brings a smile to my face. And It doesn't matter how many times in years I've read it. It always brings a smile to my face because here's the devil, right? Here's Satan, who is a real being, a real entity, right? Telling God in the flesh, the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the creator of all, the author and finisher of my faith, I'll give you these kingdoms, Right? It's kind of like a goofy moment, Haley, of of Scripture, right? You can kind of see Satan out there going, you know, giving his his best goofy and everything. I'll give you all this if you just do that, right? You know, it's kind of like that, right? Because Satan had nothing to offer. Satan couldn't give Jesus in that place or in that moment anything that he didn't already Anything that he didn't already have power over. Anything that he didn't already own, so to speak. And Satan does the same thing with us. He did it with Eve in the garden, right? He didn't challenge Eve with a piece of fruit. He challenged Eve with defying God. He challenged her to defy what God had given. He challenged her to defy what God had given. He tempted her with thinking that she would be like God. The fruit is insignificant. But challenging God's authority in her life is pinnacle. And that's what Satan did. And that's exactly what Satan will do to you and I. When he tempts us, he tempts us to challenge what God has authored in our life. I saw this on on social media months ago, probably years ago the first time, and and everything else, and I love that. I'm probably not going to say it just right, but, but basically it said that Satan does everything that he does because he's not the author of our life. God never gave him a pen. So he just tries to get us to quit writing God's story. He tries to get us distracted and waylaid and and encumbered. Amen. What did he tell Martha? He said, you're encumbered with all of these things, but yet you've missed the good thing. Right? And what do you hear? Anybody you talk to, anybody you talk to, let's do this for for the church. Let's do this for Jesus. Let's do this for God. And again and again and again. and, And I said this weeks, one of the greatest things that anyone in ministry, anyone in leadership has got to realize is you're going to be disappointed a lot because people won't place the priority on the church and on the things of God that you do. Pastor Rod, a great friend of mine, many of us have served under and everything else. One of the things he told me when this all started, I was kind of like, holy crap, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to pastor a uh, startup. <laughs> okay. Here we go. And, and everything else. And I was talking to him. and I said, one thing you've got to understand, Jay, is no one will ever care as much as you care. And don't let that weigh you down. Don't let that weigh you down. And I remembered stories of him and Marlene with toothbrushes, cleaning the steps at the school and cleaning, cleaning the, the church and doing the things that no one else would even think about doing because of how much they cared. And then that came, when he said that to me, that all came back to me. Those stories of all of the sacrifices and all of the things and everything. Else. And that inspires me. That inspires me. Amen? Not because I want people telling that story on me, but because I want to care that much. I want to be that deeply rooted and involved in what God has chosen for me in this season. Right? And I want to know that when I put my head on the pillow at night, I have given it a thousand percent. Not 99, but 100. Okay, I know there's no such thing as 1,000%. But I, w- I want to give it everything I've got. And there's days I fell at that, okay? I'm not, I'm not going to pretend to wear a big red cape, all right? I'm, I'm human the same as you are. And, and there's some days I fall way short, right? But it's not because it's not in my heart, and it's not because it's not in my head, and it's because it's not a passion for me. To go the extra mile and do the things that we're supposed to do. We see that modeled by Jesus here in this moment. And that is why he was able to withstand the temptations of Satan. He then transforms that happening. He then transforms that event with Satan. Eyeball to eyeball with Satan. Jesus takes that event and he forms it into a prayer for us. He forms it into a prayer for us and he says, Give us, Lord, our daily bread. What did he tell Satan? What do you tell Satan? I live out of every word out of the mouth of God. I don't need that bread. Right? When he was tempted, he had a resource higher and holier and more unshakable than anything Satan could tempt him with. Amen? So how does he teach us? He teaches us to pray, Lord, lead me not into temptation. Well, how do I come to a place in my flesh and in my ugliness and in my need of Christ? How do I come to a place that, that I, I can refuse temptation? How do I come to a place that I can say no? How do I come to a place of that moment? Amen? I've got to bring myself, like Jesus did, into the presence of God to where I am now looking for, for the sustenance and, and the words and the power that God has to give for us, which is why it was important, going back to the first message of this series, that we keep God on the throne. Because if I'm going to a resource that's that's horizontal rather than a resource that's vertical. Amen. You know what I'm you know, I'm talking about horizontal down here, vertical up here. Right. That's why I was glad when I asked where God was, Haley did that. Yes, I'm not sure where you're going, Jay, but I think he's up there. You're right, babe, because he is he's up there. And, and, yeah, I call her babe because she's like another daughter. She's like a daughter to me, okay? So don't anybody freak out about that, right? And everything else. And when she came walking in, I was, I was like, my little girl's home, right? And everything. I hope that's okay, Reeb. Can I, can I claim a little bit? Is that all right? Yep. Um, so, yeah, we're glad she's here this morning. But he's there on the throne, and we need to approach that, and we need to make that real for us, and we need to, to strive for that because, guess what? We're going to be tempted, We're going to be tempted. We're going to be pushed. We're going to be sifted. Amen. We're going to be that field, amen, that gets blown around. And if our chaff isn't just right, the wheat and the sustenance within us is going to get blown away. Right? That's why it's so important for us that we put our life in a place where God begins to work and God begins to move. And we pursue his voice. And we pursue his teachings. And we pursue his love for us. in in all that we say and do. If not, man, when temptation comes, it's going to come like a whirlwind, and it is going to beat us up. It is going to beat us up, and we're going to be hard. We're going to be hard to overcome it. Amen, and Jesus took that moment, and he took it into a prayer, where he said we should live that way. Now, Now, Jesus being tempted about all of the stuff of this world, what are we really pursuing in our lives? What are we really pursuing? Amen. I I made a mistake in in one of the messages of the series about talking about my experience, my experience, not anybody else's, but my experience with buying a new car. It was a stupid, dumb purchase, and and my marriage paid for it for a number of years. Our home paid for it for a number of years because I wanted what I wanted, right? Jesus, in this case, case and situation, is tempted. I'll give you anything you want, right? And if we're treating God like a sugar daddy... We don't really even begin to understand his fatherdom. toward. Oh, come on, it's 21st century, okay? We all know what that's talking about. Are y'all sharing stuff all over your Facebook that say these kind of things, all right? So, so just, just get real for a minute, right? If we're treating him like that, okay? If we're treating him like that, then we really have no understanding of his fatherdom toward us at all. We really don't get it, right? It's okay to go to him and, and tell him what you're going through, and it's okay to express to him what you need, not what you want, but what you need and what you're asking him to direct you into. Amen? And that's what Jesus says. He said, Lord, Lord, lead me out of temptation. Amen? Lead me out of temptation, lead me on a way that is right. Amen? Because trust me, temptation is going to be all around us. But Jesus is telling us to be led out of temptation. Well, how, do we, how are we led out of temptation? We make our goals, we make our focus, we make our wants God's. We, we look through and understand where God is taking us and God is leading us and we desire that. We want that. We want what God wants. And when we live that way, and we see that, and we pursue that, and we want that, the ability for, for Satan to tempt us diminishes us. Diminishes greatly because he has less resources. He has less power. Amen? I'll give you all of these things in the world. Jesus probably thinking to himself, Have you seen Father's house? Because, yeah, no, I don't want none of this, right? But our problem is we never really picture Father's house. We never really truly grasp all that God has for us here and there. That's why Jesus in the early part of this prayer said, Let your kingdom come, let your will be done in earth. As it is in me. Why? Because that's how he lives. That's how he thinks. He lives in a manner and he lives in a way that is kingdom focused. He reacts and he, and he lives his life in a way that po- proves the indwelling of God in him. Right? And so this prayer wraps all of this up to us to say if we're kingdom focused... And if, and if the power and the will of God is dwelling in us, well, Satan can't tempt me with this. Satan can't tempt me with that. Satan can't shake my world over here. Why? Because I'm focused on the kingdom. I'm walking in the grace and the power and the purity of a holy God. So you can't tempt me there. Amen? So Jesus modeling it for us says, lead me not into temptation. How do you do that? By everything he said before that. By living everything that he said before that. By praying all of those things into your life and all of those things into your way. That is how we overcome those temptations. Jesus, Jesus lived it. And, and I think that's the important thing that we have to get out of the Gospels. Is we see that God in the flesh walked among us and lived out God before us. And it is so important, and it is so vital to how we achieve success in the spiritual life. You're not going to achieve it by worldly standards. You're not going to achieve it by worldly standards. Like I said before, big buildings, and, and this, and that, and the other. That, God doesn't measure success that way. You know, when you, when you come to the pearly gates, God's not going, well, you pastored a church that had 3,000 members and it had seven buildings and it, you know, the square footage was this and that. Man, you're pretty important. Come on in. That's not how it's going to work. It's not going to work like that at all. Amen? He's going to be concerned about the daily bread. He's going to be concerned about the heavenly kingdom. He's going to be concerned about our focus not on earthly things or fleshly things, but our focus on heavenly things and what we did here to live like that. And so that's why Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this. When you pray, pray like this. When you pursue God, do it like this. When you pursue heaven, do it like this. Jesus giving us the answers before we ever asked. Jesus showing us how to live it out before we ever asked. Our problem is we entangle ourselves with a whole lot of stuff that we shouldn't, right? And sometimes we just truly don't get who God is, okay? I'm not going to ref, reference him that way anymore because I saw some of the looks. But sometimes we see God as, as, as an all-powerful being that just gives us stuff. If we show up to church, if we go through the motions, maybe we, maybe we put a few posts out on our Facebook, and God's going to bless me. That's not what it's really all about. Yeah, we put a few things out on Facebook to, to let people know we love them and we care about them, and we, we would love them to join us in that, amen, but that's, that's not really what we're after here. What we're really after here is, is a life. And a mindset and a heart that is focused on God and wants His will done in me as well as as around me. And so we're striving for that. And we're working for that. And Jesus says, here's how you do it. Here's the model. Here's the prayer. Here's how you do it. Let His kingdom come. Be focused on His kingdom and not this kingdom. I mean, that's tough for us to do. You say, well, Jay, I got kids. I got this. I got a job and everything. Yes, and Jesus says, be dutiful to those things. Be dutiful. Be the best. Be the best in what you do. Amen? So that why? This is the important part. Be the best at what you do. Why? So I get a promotion? So I get a raise? No, no, that has nothing to do with the kingdom. That has everything to do with you. Be the best at what you do so your good works may, anybody, glorify the Father, which is where? Everybody do this, in heaven, right? Which may glorify the Father in heaven. What does that mean? It means we start to look like Him, we start to think like Him, and people start to see Him in us. Why? Because we do everything to our best. We do everything to our best, not for self But so that he will be seen in us. Right? Jesus laying it all down so that we'll pick it up. When you pray, pray this way. Now let me let me address prayer for just a second. How do you pray? just kind of giving me that look. I got no idea where you're going with this. So I ain't saying a word, right? How do you pray? Anybody pray standing up? Sometimes I got some of this going on. So sometimes, yeah, standing up. How many, who who prays sitting down? Yeah, some of the same people are like, yeah, 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 sometimes, yeah. yeah. How, many of you, how many of you pray prostrate? Laying down. A couple hands, yeah. Yeah. You know what I, I like to do? I like to do that a few times a week. I like to, to literally put my nose on the floor. Sometimes I'll go outside and do it and put my nose on the ground and everything else and, and come before him reminding myself that I'm dirt. Sometimes when I, when I get a little puffed up in myself, I like to remind myself that I'm dirt. And he took, he took that and, and he molded it and, and made it into me. Because it helps me put into perspective where I am when I come into his presence. He makes me a prince. I don't make myself a prince. He makes me a prince. From his throne, from his glory, from his works, he makes those things happen. Nothing I could ever do would, would bring me into that type of relationship. And so I have to remember that without him, I'm dirt. And I have to put myself into perspective. Amen? I become a prince. I become empowered. I become anointed. I become all of the things he wants in my life because of his purpose and his plan, which does what? It builds his kingdom, right? So my point with this is I don't really care how you pray. I don't care if you stand up. I don't care if you lay down. I don't care if you do tumbleweeds, okay? The important is your heart in the manner in which you come before Him. And I think that's ultimately what this Scripture sets for us. It's a great thing to teach our kids. It's a great thing for them to memorize. It's a great thing for us to, to instill in someone's life. But, but I, I think it's also very important for us to understand the power of prayer and what Jesus taught us about it. It's less about what we get It it very much is not about what we get, but it's very much about what God wants to bring into our lives. Amen? You understand the difference? There's a difference between getting something and God bringing something into our lives. And and I have found over the years, my my friend Ray, who will be here in in two weeks, two weeks from today to, to speak for us, my friend Ray and I would oftentimes trade our needs. We would trade our issues, our problems. And he, he would come down and knock on the door and everything else. He's like, hey, I need to pray. I'm like, okay. And, and we'd go out and we'd pray together for a little bit. And he's like, I need to give you this thing that's going on in my life. And he, he'd tell me about it and everything else. And he's like, I need, I need to walk away from it. And I need you to pray about that until I tell you that God's moved on it. And I'm like, okay, well, I need to give you this. And so we would literally take on each other's burdens and, and pray about those things, because it's not it would take us to a place where we weren't focused on self and and the, the struggles and the things going on in our life because we knew that those struggles were things Satan was wanting to use to get our eyes off of God. So if I went to God in prayer about me me, me 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 and my hurt and my pain and my struggle and my issues and my problems and and, and my what ifs and my oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, if I went in prayer like that for me. It was a great way for Satan to get my eyes off of what God really wanted. So through our relationship, we came to the idea of, okay, I'm not going to stress out about this. I'm going to share it with my brother, and we're going to go to war for each other. Amen? Meaning that now I'm totally focused on God. I'm totally focused on a powerful being that is going to move on my friend's need and on my friend's situation. And sometimes we shared some pretty meaty stuff with each other that was going on in our lives and that we needed God to show up in, but it allowed us to be kingdom-focused rather than self-focused. And at the end of the day, if you walk through this model prayer, top to bottom, I hope I've done my best to, 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 to get you to see it as I see it. Ultimately, what I hope you get from this series of sermons is that when you go to God in prayer, It needs to be about Him first. It needs to be about His kingdom second. And lastly, it needs to be about you approaching both. Lead Me Not Into Temptation is every bit about me being focused on God and not the stuff that Satan is going to use to cloud my mind. Amen? The more stuff, you're involved in, the more stuff you're entangled in, the more stuff this world puts around you, the less focused you'll be on God. So the more you can downsize the stuff, amen, now don't get me wrong, go to work, do do all the things that you need to be dutiful to do, But, but the more you downsize the stuff that besets you and the stuff that moves your focus away from God, the more you remove those things, the less Satan has to tempt you with. The more entangled you get in the flesh with somebody. Amen. You ever have a conversation with somebody and, and you walk away from that conversation and you're just like, well, I should have said this, well, I should have said that. Well, I just hope God gets them and everything else. Man, that's temptation. That is temptation all over you. That is Satan using a, 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 an interaction to completely beset you and frustrate you, and stress you out, and get you to say things and think things that aren't godly. Right? That's temptation. Jesus says, pray that you're led not into temptation. Amen? Pray, be focused on God and the kingdom, and not focused on this stuff and everything else. And, and that. You know, I, I, my family knows because I've, I've matured a lot over the last 30 years in ministry and everything else, and, and things will happen, and, and I'll just be like, okay, and walk away, and even my boys are at the age where they're like, man, I was expecting you to just like totally blow your top, and, and I'm like, no, nope, I've grown up a lot in the last few years, and it just wasn't worth it. it, just wasn't worth it, God will deal with that, I have more important things to be focused on, amen. Why? Because I want to be kingdom focused. I want to be led not into temptation. Amen? And, and the, more, the more I place on myself, the more pride I let well up inside of me, the easier it is for me to act like a jerk, like the person acting like a jerk was to me. Right? Whereas if I'm focused on the kingdom, I really don't care what you say. I really don't care what you do. I really don't care... The attacks that you place on me because you know what? I'm his. And if he's got a problem with what you're doing, he'll deal with it. I'm going to stay over here in the kingdom. I'm going to walk hand in hand with him. And I'm not going to be led into temptation by the frivolities with which you choose to live life over. And Jesus sets it for us here, very simply. A prayer that we memorized as, what, seven, eight-year-olds? Seven, eight-year-olds, we memorized this prayer. So at seven and eight years old, we can memorize a way of life that Jesus has laid down to say, pray like this, live like this, and I will bring kingdom, power, power, and glory. Amen. How does he end it? Yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Say that forever. No, no. Say it like you mean it. Say it like we've just preached four messages out of it. Forever! Forever! Yeah, claim it! Claim it! Claim it! Forever. Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the power. Yours is the glory. Forever. Friend, when we start living that way, when we start walking that way, when we start having a life focused on, on that mindset and that heart and, and, and that hope, we'll truly be at a place where we can say to Satan, do yeah, I don't, I don't care about your... I don't care about your castles and your kingdoms and your stuff down here. I got so much more. So much more up there. So when you pray... Pray like this. Let's stand and sing. just